Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Thanks for my listening to the sermon podcast, and it is great to be back with you again this week as we continue on with our sermon series called The Pursuit of Meaning, and I will explain more about that in a moment. Uh, we are also in the midst of the sermon series taking a look at Moses, and so today I'm reading from the 33rd chapter of Exodus, and I am going to be reading verses 7 through 11. Hear these words. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand, each of them, at the entrance of their tents and watch Moses until he had gone out into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and bow down, all of them, at the entrance of their tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then he would return to the camp, but his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the tent. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. Some of you know that I celebrated a birthday uh, about a week and a half ago, and one of my birthday presents was an Amazon Echo. So we now have that uh, in our kitchen at home. So uh, thankfully, I don't know what our lives uh, were like before this, but now uh, when my son will ask me a question in the morning, like, for example, that happened this couple days ago, uh, Dad, do you know who turned down the role of Han Solo uh, in the original Star Wars movies? And then he then tells me that the answer is Al Pacino, which seems weird to me because Al Pacino would have seemed really old for that role. So now, because we have Echo slash Alexa, uh, I can ask Alexa, uh, when was Al Pacino born? And then I can also ask Alexa, when was Harrison Ford born? Uh, and uh, I can... Uh, live my life and go on with the day feeling so much more complete, which I'm exaggerating a little bit here. But and we have these uh, artificial intelligence around us, like uh, Alexa and Siri, so we can ask uh, these uh, things all kinds of questions. And when we are exploring now the pursuit of meaning, and we're asking really big questions like, what is the meaning of my life and what is the purpose that God has for me, why not ask Alexa? Uh, why not ask Siri? So, in fact, I did that this week. I asked Siri, what is the meaning of my life? And uh, not surprisingly, I didn't get a straight answer, but I got a bunch of websites. And the fifth one down, interestingly, uh, and I'm going to show a um, – uh, you can go to this uh, after you listen to my podcast. It's www.whatisthemeaningofmylife.com, uh, and it has lots of different uh, articles, like uh, Is This All There Is in Life? And it's actually a website put up and run by, written by, a professor of cognitive psychology at the University of Dundee in Scotland, a man named Trevor Harley. So this question of what is the meaning of my life, uh, there are all kinds of ways we can answer that question. And if that's your thing, go for it. Uh, hopefully today we can explore and reflect a little bit about Met or some questions that we can ask ourselves uh, beyond Alexa and Siri to get to the heart of this. Last week we talked about uh, purpose in life, and uh, I talked about 
how sometimes, uh, occasionally, the burning bush happens in our lives, and we can it's evident what we're supposed to be doing, but maybe we're also called to look for burning twigs, little signs here and there about where we are supposed to go. But uh, one might ask, how do you actually go about doing this? What are some pragmatic ways for us to, to get at this? So today, I want to explore two different questions, hopefully, that you can ask yourself that will help you begin to get at this really large question of what is my meaning? What is my purpose in life? But before we get into these questions, I think it's helpful to maybe look at a couple of, uh, or look at some context in the scripture reading today. So again, we're looking at Moses, and this is Exodus 33. So we're making a pretty big jump. Last week, we looked at Exodus 3. Uh, And for those of you who may uh, be somewhat familiar with the story, uh, God had said to Moses, uh, my people Israelites are enslaved. You are the one who is going to free them uh, from Egypt. Uh, And so Moses, despite some concerns and arguing, he went and did that, confronted the Pharaoh. And again, you may know the story, Red Sea parts, uh, the Israelites escape, and then they begin this wandering uh, of going uh, all around. And I'll get to all of that uh, in a few minutes. But first, so that eventually leads us uh, here to Exodus 33. Actually, I want to take a quick look at Exodus 32. So um, the Israelites have been wandering. Uh, the Ten Commandments are given to them. They're given uh, how to worship God. They're giving some uh, structure to their lives throughout uh, this intermediary part in Exodus. Moses has gone up to a mountain to be with God, to listen to God, and he seems to be taking his own sweet time. And so the people are getting a little anxious and impatient. So we read in chapter 32 uh, that the people turn to Moses' brother, Aaron, and says, Moses is taking too long. Uh, We want something to worship. And so uh, this comes the golden calf, and they make a false idol Uh, out of God, and this does not please God very much once Moses comes down, and Moses, I'm sure, is thinking to himself, I can't even, I can't even take a vacation here without you people uh, going off the tracks. Uh, So now there is some conflict happening. God is not happy. I'm sure the people are not happy. Moses is not happy. So what, things are in a bit of a mess. So what does Moses do? Here in verse 7, beginning of the passage that I read today. Let me read verse 7 again. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. So what is the tent of meeting? Well, uh, according to uh, Harper's Bible Dictionary, it's a simple tent that one person could pitch. It was often a shrine for a place to receive word from God. Uh, The divine presence did not live there, but was manifested often as a pillar of cloud. From another resource, taking a look, it talks about that this is an actual place where an actual face-to-face meeting happens. Often only priests can access, uh, and in which they participate then on behalf of the people. So it's an important holy ground here that Moses goes to it in order to be in relationship, in order to listen, in order to get a sense of what God wants to say to him on behalf of the people. God doesn't live there, but God comes there freely. And so I think the important thing here to note is that in the midst of all the messiness of God beginning to say, these people have messed things up, 
here's what you're supposed to do. Moses realized, I cannot truly figure out how I'm going to lead this people unless I separate myself. The text says, far off from the camp, outside the camp, unless I separate myself in order to truly listen to what God has to say. So my question, the first question is for us to get a sense of what is my meaning. The question that you can ask yourselves is, am I being intentional? Uh, And if you look at the word intentional, the word tent is in there. Uh, Am I being intentional? That means that are you setting yourself apart to truly listen to what your meaning is, to what God might have to say to you? Are you, last week I talked about in, when we looked at the story of the burning bush that indeed sometimes God just shows up in the midst of our everyday lives. But I think it's important to also be intentional about being with God and listening. Are you carving out that time in your life? We may say, we may use actually interesting language saying, I am religious about going to the gym. I am religious about spending time uh, with a close loved one. I'm religious about doing these things. But the question then is, are you religious about being religious? Are you carving out that time to be a part, to be intentional about spending that time with God? The uh, well-known, or at least the um, important spiritual writer in the 20th century, Henry Nouwen, I read an excerpt of his this week when he was talking about uh, there was a time in his life when he was spending um, uh, his life with um, Carmelite nuns, and he talked, he was writing about what it meant to spend time in prayer. And so he would talk about spending an hour each day, an hour each day uh, in this practice. And so for those of us now, Henry Nouwen is also a priest, and as I noted, a spiritual writer. And so people might think, well, wow, what kinds of things must happen when he spends that hour, which seems like an awfully long time, that hour with God. What I love about this writing is that he really is honest about what happens in that hour. So I want to read this excerpt uh, that I read this week. This is uh, from a book that he wrote called, I'm looking up here, uh, Gracias, uh, about uh, the time that he spent with the Carmelite sisters. And he writes this, It is not an hour of deep prayer, nor a time in which I experience a special closeness to God. It is not a period of serious attentiveness to the divine mysteries. I wish it were. On the contrary, it is full of distractions, inner restlessness, sleepiness, confusion, and boredom. It seldom, if ever, pleases my senses. But the simple fact of being for one hour in the presence of the Lord and of showing Him all that I feel, sense, and experience without trying to hide anything must please him. For those who listened a few weeks ago, you may sense that this rings a little bit close to Thomas Merton uh, and his own uh, uh, admitting that sometimes he doesn't know where he's going. But the fact that he wants to please God, he believes, pleases God. And Nowen, who was a big fan of Thomas Merton, uh, writes something that seems fairly similar to what Merton had talked about too. I, I really am so grateful for Henry Nouwen's writings for lots of reasons, but particularly because of his honesty. So when we talk about, I think sometimes a hurdle that people have when it comes to being intentional and carving that time out is they think that there must be some 
amazingly mystical, transformative experience every single time that they do it. And now it is pretty clear here that that doesn't always happen. But it's important, that intentionality is important to really listen and sense and wonder and write and jot things down as we ask these questions. Where am I going? What am I looking for? What are you placing before me? Have you been present and I haven't noticed it? All of these certain things are important, and they can pop up in the everyday with the little burning bushes and the smoking twigs, but I think it's also important to follow in Moses' footsteps and setting ourselves apart, turning off our devices to not be afraid of the silence and just be with God. So the first question when we wonder this about uh, what is my meaning is, are you being intentional about this? So the second question that I think is important for us to ask ourselves is, who are my people? Who are my people? When I think about what is the meaning of my life, I think a good question to ask is, who are my people? So for better or for worse, Moses' people were the Israelites. That's a pretty big group of people. Again, in Exodus 3 that we reflected on last week, God kind of said to Moses, uh, you are a Hebrew, you are an Israelite, even though you grew up an Egyptian, this is truly who you are. Your people is this nation of Israelites. Now, uh, this kind of relationship, the fact that these were Moses' people, that wasn't always easy. At times, I'm sure Moses thought this is Great. So right after he leads his people out of slavery, again, the Red Sea has parted. The pinnacle for Moses is Exodus 15. In my Bible, there's a little heading uh, above that that says the song of Moses. So they are free. And so Moses is ecstatic. He says, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. This whole chapter is a hymn, a song that Moses has sung. And Moses' sister jumps in, Miriam too. She has a tambourine. Women are dancing. This is the best. Moses, I'm sure, looks at this mass of people and says, these, these are my people. And he loves it. And then we come to chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 2 says this, On the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt... Quote, the whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. That did not take long. After this glorious time, when they celebrated and sang and danced, and then the people are hungry. And there is murmuring about, I think things were actually better in Egypt, but God hears their cries, manna, food comes to them. And then 17, one chapter later, 17.2 says this, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. So there is complaining and there is quarreling. And I wish I could say that this was abnormal, but this seems to be part of the nature of what it meant to be this community. And Moses heard it a lot and heard it meaning H-E-A-R-D, heard it from the people. And so I'm sure there were times when he thought to himself, not making the exclamation, these are my people, but instead asking himself, these are my people? Hey, these are my people? And so this wasn't always easy for him to get a sense of, again, I don't think Moses probably, I don't know if he ever asked himself, what is my meaning? But his part of his living out his meaning was being there for his people. And I'm sure he fought this. Like, I, I, I don't want this to be my people. Right after 
the reading that we had today, Moses begins interacting with God, and Moses says this, Now, if I have found favor in your sight, and this is what Moses is saying to God, show me your ways so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, I love this, consider, too, that this nation is your people. Moses is trying to put this off on God. This is not my, this is not my people. These are your people. What are you going to do about it? And then, in Exodus 34, Moses says this to God. If not, uh, if not I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. And here, this is where I think the pronouns are pretty important. So Moses is saying a little bit like, these are, this is your people. Later, 34, pardon our iniquity and our sin, take us for your inheritance. There is our and there is us. And people, or Moses knows, yes, these are my people and I am one of them. The question for you is to ask yourself, who are my people? Who are the people that you think God might be calling you to be with and to be for, to listen to, to be in community with, that can be family, that can be friends, it can be your neighborhood, it can be this community of faith that we're a part of, to ask yourself the question, who are my people? Not that you go and try to save anyone. That's God's job. But instead, who can I be with? Who can I be in a relationship with? How can I love? A few, uh, last August, um, Van Jones, the CNN commentator and author, uh, was uh, on tour and he was speaking in Chicago and we got some uh, free tickets to hear him speak. And so some of us from Urban Village went to hear him speak. And one of the things that he did as part of this program was that he interviewed people. And one of the women that he interviewed that day to talk to was a woman named Tamar Manasseh. Um, I don't know if you've heard about Tamar Manasseh. She lives in Chicago, and she founded a group called Mothers Against Senseless Killing, MASK. In worship, I'm going to show a video that uh, explains what uh, Tamar Manasseh is doing. <clears throat> and I'll put this link up on the Podbean page so that you can watch it too. But uh, Tamar Manasseh decided that she was tired. There was a woman, a mother, who had been killed in her neighborhood. And this was the turning point for her, the breaking point for her to realize that we, we cannot let this happen. And so she decided that on the corner of 75th and Stewart in Chicago, that this was going to be a corner where this kind of thing would not happen. And so they just started to set out chairs and begin conversations and to have cookouts and face painting. And so they do this. I don't know if Tamar asked herself the question or who are my people, but in watching this, there's a sense from her that these are my people. I am going to be for my people. I'm going to be in community with my people. And now she is, uh, this uh, small movement is starting, Mothers Against Senseless Killing. It's gone beyond Chicago into other cities throughout the country, too. I'm inspired by her, for her to take seriously this question, who are my people and what am I going, what am I going to do to be in community with them and to be for them? 
So I put these questions to you as you explore and wonder about what is my meaning in life. The first question is, am I being intentional about this question? Am I intentional about the time that I spend with God? And we'll be talking uh, in Lent. Prayer is going to be a big emphasis over the next few weeks uh, at Urban Village. Uh, We'll be doing a a sermon series about a particular kind of prayer. Uh, I'm starting a weekly prayer, 30-minute prayer service in the loop at the Aeon Center. If you live in Chicago and are interested in that, let me know. I'll be leading a a group on prayer after worship on Sundays. This will be really important. Part of prayer, of course, is listening. And so the question is, are you being intentional? intentional about spending that time apart from God like Moses did? And then the second question is this. Maybe this is a question you ask when you are setting yourself apart. Who are my people? Who are my people? Who am I called to be with and for in my life? Oh, would it be great if someone would just tell us these answers? I cannot tell you the answer, definitive answer for that. Alexa cannot answer that for you, and neither can Siri, believe it or not. Only God. And you, listening to God, and then venturing out. May you have the courage to ask those questions, and then to move in the ways that God is leading you. Amen. Well, friends, thank you once again for listening. Um, We are finishing up this sermon series next week, but uh, our church planting resident is going to be preaching at my site. So uh, I would encourage you, if you want to hear that, hear Taylor Smith. You can go to the Urban Village Podbean page and listen to him next week. I'll be back in two weeks uh, and we'll be sharing some thoughts uh, then. Until then, uh, you can always reach out to me with questions or concerns at chris at urbanvillagechurch.org or on Twitter, I'm at Christian Kuhn, and I'm always happy to interact with uh, each of you. To learn more about my other podcast and my book, you can go to my website, christiankuhn.com, and uh, find more information there. So uh, until the next time, friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. <laughs>